0: This is Eye on Education on the Agenda.
1: With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people.
2: Hello there and thank you for downloading this Eye on Education podcast from the 8th of September. Two naughty subjects on the programme today. First up was homework because did you know that on average... Teenagers receive 4.9 hours of homework a week. On the programme today, we asked whether that is too much and the million dirham question, how do you get your children to do it? Two experts joined us on that topic. Nick Hart, who's the principal of Horizon English, and Heather Harris, who's the founder of her own eponymous tutoring company. Meanwhile, we looked at the cost of school uniforms. As it emerges, parents in the UAE spend as much as $5, 1,000 dirhams per pupil per year. Now, do they really need to be that expensive? We found out with the uniform designer, Matthew Benjamin from Capes. And we were also joined by one mum, Camilla, who's found a genius hack to get round the costs. Meanwhile, as the Rugby World Cup kicks off over the weekend in France, rugby stars from the 100 World Legends organisation are in Dubai visiting schools as part of an outreach initiative. We were very excited to welcome former Samoan and New Zealand rugby star Frank Buntz into the studio to take your questions. This is
0: Eye on Education on the Agenda.
1: With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people.
2: Yes, good to have you with us. It's coming up to 10 minutes past 11. It is time for Eye on Education right here on the Agenda. It's our weekly programme when we get uh, based. Basically, it's our chance to put those education stories under the spotlight. I'm really looking forward to today because basically it's my opportunity to get on my soapbox. And I know... there are ethical and moral questions as to whether or not you're supposed to use the airwaves for that Uh, but I'm afraid I'm going to do it anyway Uh, I've got two massive bugbears first of all homework I hate it I can't make the children do it if I am going to have to do it and you'll have to persuade me to that case then I need to be told how to do it I just don't know how to so we've got experts on that and I'd love to get your comments your hints and your tips and your thoughts on you know the value of homework and and whether you love it or hate it Uh, the other big topic is the cost of uniforms it is outrageous i don't think i'm like coming out as, as anything unusual there. i don't think i'm saying anything controversial it is ridiculous ridiculous um for a school shirt at my son's school uh, it is i think it's 180 dirhams for a white shirt that doesn't stay white for long with a logo that doesn't stay the right color for long and of course you know they're boys you know it, It's revolting by the end of the first week. And then I have to end up buying another one just before they have their school picture taken. But there is no need for that. It could just be an archetypal, boring, white school shirt that you could buy from any of the major department stores for, let's be honest, 25 dirhams, maybe 40. It's just outrageous. It feels wrong. And I want to find out why it's going on. So we've got two experts on that as well. But first of all, uh, producer Jennifer Crichton joins me in the studio because she's been looking at the education headlines. I will be asking for her view on homework and uniforms in the coming coming (laughs) minutes as well. You're not going to get away with not adding your topics to this. But first up, what's been going on in the news? Uh, Let's start on the roads uh, because there's some news that will be welcomed by those thousands of parents who rely on Dubai's
3: I love the fact that they're yellow. The the school bus network. Do you know? I love the fact that they're yellow as well. And the first time my little boy got off the school bus, he was getting really embarrassed because I was taking loads of pictures. There's something just really lovely about I think them it's getting because, off the yellow bus.
2: Is it because we grew up with you know Hollywood versions of yes. school, like nine o two one o? I don't even know if they get on a bus in nine o two one o. But do you know what I mean? It was there were lots of schools, programs, and movies, and you'd see the yellow bus. For me, it's the same as um, you know Chinese takeaways that come in, in those in the boxes. <laughs> Not the Tupperwares, but when it comes in the boxes with a little, little tiny handle. Little handle, I'm with you. So I saw them eating that on Friends when I was growing up. You know mm-hmm. the sitcom, and as a
3: consequence, I've always wanted to eat noodles out of one of those pots. And they don't do them anymore, really. I've never no, you done never it. Forget them, and I love those yeah. little pots. I'm the same as you, and they kind of look like tiny handbags. But no, the, <laughs> the yellow bus thing—it's definitely that sort of American culture thing. If you've grown up in the UK, you'd never see a yellow school bus, so it's no. it's very much an unusual thing for us. But. I mean, on a, a slightly more actual news level, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the RTA has been conducting its annual start of year school bus inspections across a number of different sites. And those are ensured at ve- vehicle safety and ensuring that schools and providers are actually following safety guidelines. And I didn't know this, but I found this very interesting. Although these routine checks are carried out every year, the schools and routes that are targeted change depending on their record and the inspectors are actually focusing on institutions that have previously been found to show low compliance in areas ranging from safety and security to bus driver permits, task compliance and even cleanliness. Now, speaking to ARN previously, Abdullah Al Musa, who is an acting executive director at Emirates Transport, said that more than seven hundred new buses had been added to the fleet this year, and they'd been equipped with new technology to make those journeys safer.
4: We've equipped our buses with a lot of uh, technological
5: advancement that uh, make sure that uh, students are transported in a safe manner. So we've added. We have the uh, motion sensor in all our buses. And also we have a panic button for the driver in case of any emergency that connects him directly to our centralised uh,
6: operation room.
2: Oh, oh, sorry, that's my fault. <laughs> I need uh, to put the fader up so Jen can talk to you. I try. Sorry. Interesting
3: little fact for you. How many school buses do you think there are on the roads? 1,000. 8,500 of those little yellow buses now.
2: Good to hear it. And and I have now been very well behaved since I got ticked off. I can't remember which listener messaged in to say that you must stop for the school buses. Even if the children are getting off on one side, you mustn't take over on the other side. So now I have been very well behaved and I stopped behind the buses like I meant to. Meanwhile, New York University Abu Dhabi say they're
3: teaming up with the sovereign wealth company Mubadala, aren't they? What's the deal there? Now, this is, they've said, to collaborate on mutually beneficial projects. So this includes cooperation on a number of different research projects involving NYUAD and students and the possibility of developing new advanced research programmes between the two Institutions. Now, the agreement also covers exploring the prospect of creating new state of the la- state of the art—not lart—state of the art laboratories for research. Do you know, I've been falling over the words
2: today as well. Uh, <laughs> good news for pupils in one city in India only one,
3: they're getting an extra day off, aren't they? I know, you'd be really annoyed if you were an Indian school pupil anywhere other than Delhi really, wouldn't you? But of course Delhi is hosting the G20 Summit that we were hearing about earlier on and as a result, all educational institutes including schools, colleges, coaching centres will be closed from today until September the 10th. Now that decision's been taken by the Delhi government to prevent unnecessary traffic inconvenience for the visiting foreign delegates. It must be nice to be a visiting foreign delegate, you never get caught in a traffic jam.
2: You don't. You also get those cars that travel in front of you and behind you to keep you, you know... So you don't have to stop at the traffic lights, frankly. That's it. Genius. Uh, let's look at it just a, on a global governmental level because the UAE's Minister of Education, Dr. Ahmad Balul Al-Falasi, has attended the GCC, Ministers of Higher Education and
3: Research, meeting in Oman. That's right. Now, the participants were discussing educational inter- issues of common interest, including developing scientific research, innovation and entrepreneurship within our educational systems. Now, they also deliberated the projects of the Committee of GCC Ministers of Higher Education and Research, Digital Learning and Cyber Security, as well as mechanisms for future work among member states and other educational topics of interest.
2: Very very intriguing. I wonder whether they discussed the, the, the cost of school uniform at that meeting. I <laughs> would wager no. I reckon they don't need to worry about it too much. Well, but there's everyone on the text line is very <laughs> worried about it. Like I've only mentioned it once, I barely needed to get on my soapbox and we've already got Rawan texting in saying the cost of school uniforms is extortionate particularly when you factor in their poor quality. Nikhil has gone as far as to send me his recent credit card statement that shows that he's spent in one Two, three, four transactions. One of them is for 170 dirhams, the next is for 400, the next is for 250, and the next is for 300. And they are all to a very well known school uniform shop. He then points out that that doesn't include the calculator I had to buy which was 700 dirhams and we also had to pay for extra swimming which is over 5000 dirhams. Ooh. Ah,
0: this is Eye on Education on the agenda
1: with the Royal Grammar School Guildford Dubai, passionate about creating personalized learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people.
2: Yes, good to have you with us. Two hot topics here on the education uh, on Eye on Education. This morning, uh, one of them is the cost of school uniform, which has already got people very animated on the text line, uh, and the other is homework. Has it started in your house yet? I don't think it has started in my house yet. But if I'm honest, I haven't looked at their iPads to find out. I'm kind of taking that attitude: if if you don't look, you don't know, <laughs> which is useless, obviously. Um, I want to know whether you guys have arguments in your household about homework. I want to know if you've got any. Tips, please do get in touch four double zero one, or you can WhatsApp me on zero four eight seven one double five double zero. How is homework received in your house? I like to put it out there that I just—is it really necessary? Is it really? Shouldn't they just learn it at school? And then when they come home, you know, they've got downtime. I mean, maybe that's a bit of a lazy way of looking at it because I really don't want to help them do it. But anyway, well, let's find out. I'm going to ask an expert. Uh, I'm delighted to say I'm joined now by Nick Hart. He's the principal at Horizon English. You'll know it because it's one of the most established schools here in the UAE. he is also the author of two books on education. So I can't think of a better person to ask such a thorny issue. Nick, good morning to you. Welcome to the agenda. Welcome to Eye on Education. I'm going to start immediately with a question. In your knowledge, does every school give out homework so for example, you know do you set you know do you set homework in your school?
7: Good morning, Georgia. Thank you for having me uh, and I think it's a brilliant question um so I think if you look at a hundred different schools, you'll get a hundred different strategies and uh, and procedures for homework um and f- for me, what i think uh, is is important is that the the school strategy reflects the community reflects the ethos, reflects the, the ways that we want to uh, get children learning. I mean, for example, at Horizon, uh, we would probably classify ourselves as uh, less traditional, so we wouldn't necessarily send out the the compulsory like homework, send it out, collect it in, mark and give back, because um, we think that there are other more very valuable things that children can be doing at home, like. Um, clubs and uh, other enrichment activities and simply talking, talking to family members, connecting uh, with others in the community and uh, and maybe following areas of interest and that kind of thing. So uh, I think there's a real balance to be struck for, for schools that really fits the community.
2: That is so interesting. So uh, I imagine quite a lot of the parents who send their children to your school approve of that ethos and, and, you know, really find it quite a relief that they don't have to do the sort of type of sit down at your desk type homework. I mean, why do other educational establishments consider it so important?
8: Um,
7: I, th- I think that uh, there are some establishments that, that, that obviously want to achieve very high academic standards, but, but we at Horizon have extremely high academic standards, um, and that's through a, a combination of um, an unconditional focus on children's happiness and well-being, alongside really, really good teaching, and so. Um, I think my opinion is that if we can't get it right in five or six hours during the day, then another hour of homework at home when children are tired and hungry, um, then I think that's going to make much of a difference. I think that uh, I think if if schools get the basics right, then um, the afternoons after school and the evenings can be down to help children's well-being. They can help them to flourish through following their experiences and connecting with their families and being ready for the next day.
2: Yeah, I have to say that I think sometimes it comes down to the aptitude of the parent. You know how how good they are at teaching, how good they are at motivating their children to do this homework. And and I am definitely not one of those people. But I do fear that my children are going to be falling behind if they don't do it.
7: Yeah, I mean, that is uh, a concern of some parents. But just like you could ask 100 schools what they do for homework, you could ask 1,000 parents what their preferences are. Uh, And in in all the previous schools I've worked in, we've always had uh, a real mix. There are some parents that want to keep their children busy for a couple of hours after school and really push uh, their their own family ethos of hard work. And, uh, And equally, there are many families who want who protect the time for um, clubs and enrichment activities and, and connecting with family. And so I think um, the, the, the best schools offer a flexibility. They offer a flexible approach of providing um, for all of the different families, providing uh, opportunities for additional practice for those families that want it, but also providing the flexibility to pursue an interest where that suits the families.
2: What would you say is the bare minimum? So if you were only going to get your children to do one thing what would it be and obviously horizon am i right in thinking that horizon as a children for is is a school for under 13s under 11s yes.
7: Yeah, three to eleven primary.
2: primary. So, it, so, you, so people's views on on Poma, it might change once they're teenagers and studying for exams. But if you're going for primary, if you are only going to get your children to do one thing, just just personally, so I can focus, and and I think for yeah. also for lots of other parents who are listening, you know, what would it be?
7: So for for me at primary ages, I think there, there are two things. I'm going to go with two because there, there's probably don't worry, uh, you're the interviewee.
2: you you have license to do with <laughs> the question what you will.
7: So children, children learn through uh, interaction. So um, for me, I'd, I'd want to encourage lots of talking about their experiences during the day. So providing parents with, for example, prompts. You know that feeling you, you when your children come home and you ask them, what what did you do at school today? And they say, I don't know, or I had played football at lunch or something like that. So providing parents with um, prompts to, to, to d- delve into what they've actually been learning. So for example, Um, tell me about the Roman invasion of Britain is a much uh, better conversation starter for families at home than what did you do at school today? Uh, And those conversations can be really, really useful because um, it can turn into shared research. It can give the child a chance to remember and recall and bring back to mind what they've been doing during the day. Um, So I think I I would say talking and conversation, purposeful conversation about their learning is a must uh, in terms of Uh, In terms of learning, because there is a differentiation to make between homework, keeping children busy and home learning, which is to reinforce what's been going on um, at school. And then secondly, um, without a doubt, reading. I mean, if all the subjects that children learn at primary level, reading, I like to call it as first among equals, that um, getting reading right unlocks uh, experiences for 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 later life and for later study, and so uh, finding finding the time, building the habit of reading every day is is fundamental.
2: Nick Hart, principal of Horizon English, great to get you on the line. Thank you very much for that fantastic advice. This is Eye on Education
0: on the agenda
1: with the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai, passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people.
2: Hello there, good to have you with us. here on Ion Education on the agenda. George Tolly here with you all the way through until one o'clock. Two hot topics on the programme today. One is the cost of school uniform. Coming to that in the next few minutes. Thank you very much to everyone who's been sending through messages, including Craig and Nicholas. I'll be reading those out in the next few minutes. But at the moment, we're focusing on homework, whether or not it's actually necessary and how do we motivate our children to do it. Uh, I find it incredibly difficult. I think we probably get about... I mean, probably two hours of homework a week, that's for my nine and 10 year old. I think we probably manage the bare minimum. And as a consequence, my eldest isn't very good at spelling. And I really worry it's because I haven't managed to make him do the spellings each week for the last you know, four or five years. We just find it very difficult. It causes terrible arguments. Um, the only way I can do it is as, as a sort of, I bargain with them. I'm like for every minute you do homework, you can have it on your games machine kind of thing but that kind of feels like like i'm you know creating a sort of odd template where i'm having to sort of buy them to make them do it I'd love to get any hints and tips that you have on how you manage to get your children to do homework because obviously they're 9 and 10 now. But in the future, they're going to have to do loads. I remember at senior school, I was doing like two to three hours a day at least, um, especially in the build up to the A-levels. Okay, so uh, it's fair to say that considering all the messages we've got in, I'm not the only problem uh, person who finds homework a problem. Uh, Just so you know, on average pupils in the UAE do 4.9 hours a week. Joining me now to discuss how we can create that ideal scenario is Heather Harris, who is the founder of Heather Harris Education Hub, which is a tutoring company. Heather, you must have loads and loads of tips. Let's start with the sort of premise of how important do you consider homework
0: overall? I think homework is like one of those perennial questions and it goes on and on and on. And some parents, you know, you look at even the uh, superstars, Piers Morgan. um, I think even um, Gary Lineker waded in on this debate a while ago. And it is it is should we do it, should we not do it? Well, I think if we go to the academics, basically in primary school, there's very little evidence that says homework is of any use at all. Saying that... I think if we don't set, um, if you like, almost a foundation, uh, a training plan in place for homework, it becomes a bigger shock when they go to secondary school. So in secondary school, it's the estimators that if you don't do homework, you'll basically fail your exact. So, yes, very, very important. they 60 65 um, of, percent of success is rated on the amount of homework you do once you get to secondary school. Primary school, they say 21 percent makes a difference.
2: Okay, so that's why we need to sort of lay the groundwork, so to speak, uh, in order to get them used to the concept. I mean, in your view, if you don't manage to do it with your children in in that primary school level, are you placing them at a disadvantage
0: um i th- I think it is fair to say, yes, you probably are. Now, I've got three kids and I failed completely in primary school to get them to do anything, even pick a pen up. So I am. You're not talking to somebody who's succeeded on that and they didn't fail secondary school as a result. But the children that do do primary school um, homework do get better results long term. Now, what I would say is if you look today the or yesterday, the Department of Education launched a framework on literacy which said that the falling literacy um Uh, numbers in the UK, the number of children who can access the educational programme because they can't um, read and write, has become much greater. Now, if a child can't access a programme, they obviously continue to fail to learn. If you want to consolidate learning and fluency in reading and vocabulary, that comes down to extra work outside school. So yes, the reality is homework is important. However, the 21% is only 21% really, really get particularly successful in primary school. And primary school is hard, because working parents, you know, the last thing you want to do is that two hour battle with your kids to do homework. If you're working, it's already a long day. And primary school children need parental intervention. So it is always going to be, should they do it? Should they not do it? I My come down on it is, if it is at the cost of your relationship, it is not worth doing it.
2: Oh, that is very interesting. I I mean, how many of your tutors are actually being hired to do the homework with the children because their parents just don't have time
0: to do it? Well, an awful lot. But also what I would say is that in this country, if you're um, a child going to a British school and you've got foreign parents, it's nigh on impossible for a foreign parent to access British curriculum. So yes, we do an awful lot of homework support.
2: Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, because I'm frankly tempted uh, because I just can't face it and I'm worried that I'm putting the children to a disadvantage but then of course you know you don't want to pay for extra money on top of the school fees you know end up with this sort of vicious circle I mean if you don't want to do that and you, but you do want your children to try and do some homework what would be your advice to motivate children in fact Chet has got in touch uh, with exactly that question you know how do parents support and encourage self motivation for say year three kids to take ownership of their homework or their extracurricular activity practice?
0: I think the first thing is positive parental um, view on homework because I know throughout the time my kids were in school, it was like, oh, my goodness, we've got to get this done. Oh, oh, we haven't done that. Oh, no, we'll do that last minute. And I think sometimes it's the parents' negativity towards homework that rubs off on a child. The second thing is to make it fun. And the third thing is to make it routine. So if every single day your child comes in from school, they're, as part it's an automatic routine. They drop their bags, they have a biscuit and a glass of milk or whatever it is, and they sit down for 10 minutes homework it's routine. It's when we go, oh, we've got to fit that in. Ah, mm. And I think I think more than anything, it's our negative, um, oh gosh, I've got to get that done attitude that's rubbing off on the children. If it's part of a routine, you sit down, you do the homework, you know, you can put out a biscuit, you can put out a piece of cake, whatever it is, and make it a bit of fun, make it a cosy 10 minutes with them. They'll actually look forward to it.
2: Heather, a pleasure to have you join us on the line. Fantastic tips there uh, from Heather, who's the founder of Heather Harry's Education Hub, which is a tutoring company. This is
0: Eye on Education on the Agenda.
1: With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai, passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future ready young people.
2: Hello there. Good to have you with us here on the Agenda. Big topic of conversation for our Eye on Education special is the cost of uniform. We will be coming to that in the next few minutes. Loving all your messages that are coming through. Keep them coming 4001 or you can WhatsApp me on 04871 5500. This person says, for our kids, the bill was 3,800 dirhams with anything needed with the school logo on it. And let's be honest, the quality is very bad indeed. Uh, David says, I'm appalled by the cost of uniforms and moreover, the materials used for the price without any option for natural fibers. Uh, Are there any controls in place, he says, for the chemicals and dyes that they're forcing our children to endure? What will be the long term effects and how is this playing into your subject from yesterday about the rise in cancer cases among young people? Uh, David says he is annoyed. Uh, Do you know somebody else who's annoyed joins me on the line now? It's our regular guest, Lisa Grace Wilson. She's the editorial director for Teach Middle East magazine and also for Schoolfinder.ae. Former teacher, mum of several, and has a bit of a bugbear, not just about the quality of the uniforms, but actually what our children are required to wear. Is that right, Lisa? Good morning to you.
4: Good morning. You are right. (laughs) So I am advocating for more comfort Um, more loose-fitting uniforms and better quality uniforms, in fact, for the children, because what they are being asked to wear in some schools is frankly uncomfortable.
2: Do you know, I couldn't agree more. My nine-year-old is now required to wear a shirt and trousers. He has to have the shirt, the top button done up really tight just there, and then a tie. And then he has to wear a blazer. And I mean, we all know the temperature out there right now. And it does... It does seem strange that they haven't adapted the uniform out here, you know, to take account of the heat.
4: Yeah, and that's the problem. And that's why I made that post on LinkedIn. saying, Why are we asking students in 40 degrees um, Celsius weather to wear a tie all the way up here, a blazer and to have their shirts tucked in? And then we want them to be active, we want them to run around, we want them to walk, we want them to be away from the screens and to be healthy, but how can they if the uniform is constricting them? And that's where the debate started, because as a mom, um, my little boys are going, "Mom, we don't like it, I I feel like I'm choking, and and I'm like, there's nothing I can do, but I want to raise awareness and see if there's any change that we can make, maybe... We can get a few days where they're formal and then other days they're comfortable because I'm not against uniforms. That's something else that was coming out on my post on LinkedIn. I am pro uniform. I think we should have them, but I think they need to be fit for purpose. And I think that students need comfort. How many of them are going to wear a suit every day when they get out in the world of work, the way things are going now? Not very many I'm going to propose. And so we need to start to adapt and change some things.
2: That is really interesting. And I have to say, it hadn't even occurred to me to question the status quo. You know, I've been telling my boys, even though they find their shirts uncomfortable and itchy, even though they don't like doing their tie-up, I've been saying, no, no, it's it's essential. You know, you have to learn You know, to fit in. You have to learn to wear the school uniform. You have to learn to look smart because you're going to have to when you get older. But of course, times they are changing. Lisa Grace Wilson, always lovely to have you join us on the agenda to set the cat among the pigeons. Uh, great to have you with us. Of course, Lisa is Editorial Director for Teach Middle East Magazine and schoolfinder.ae This is Eye on Education
0: on the Agenda.
1: With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people.
0: Yes, welcome
2: back to Eye on Education right here on the Agenda for your listening pleasure. Georgia Tolly here all the way through until one o'clock. Lots of people on the school run, lots of people trapped on the roads of the UAE because of the school run uh, and lots of people managing to head home from work at uh, Lucky you if your day ends now. And I'm sorry that the traffic's so bad. Uh, But we're going to keep you company with a conversation that is definitely causing something of a storm on the parents' WhatsApp groups. Uh, And it is the cost of school uniform. It's gone crazy on my text lines over this, completely crazy. Uh, somebody here just said, look, on the school uniforms, I just went ahead and bought the trousers from m at a third of the price. In my view, the quality of the material has declined over the years and the cost just keeps on going up. Moreover, the uniforms go out of stock and we have no choice but to wait. Another person here, Anonymous, uh, says this has been going on for years. It's a major profit for schools, along with the outrageous fees. Uh, interesting. Ding that that that's interesting. Um, Natasha says the poor quality of uniforms here is my biggest gripe. DVG says, uh, that's David saying I'm appalled about the costs of uniforms and moreover the materials that are used for the price. There's no option given for natural fibre materials. Uh, this person here says uh, that their school uniforms are ridiculous. Craig says uh, the uniforms are poor quality and exorbitant then you add a growing rough playing child and they just get wrecked. Not to mention the fact that I have to buy bags and water bottles, boxes and bottles and all the lunches that I remember. Uh, He says, I remember just having a sandwich to school and I survived. Uh, Somebody down here says there's, which is quite risky. Let me just move my mic so I can read this message. Something about there being, um, well, somebody here says there's a monopoly on the company that supplies the uniforms. What annoys me is that they are so ill-fitting you can hear there that I'm sort of dealing with a a sort of barrage of messages of angry parents dealing with the school uniforms I have to say I agree I find it really obnoxious that I have to spend 180 dirhams on a school shirt when I know that you can just buy a plain white shirt for 25 dirhams so I'm basically paying more than 100 dirhams for a logo which I I just think that's wrong I I genuinely I think it's I think it's wrong I, I I don't think you should be making parents do that. Now, earlier, I spoke to one mum who is also annoyed. But rather than just being annoyed on the radio, she's actually come up with a really genius hack. Her name's Camilla Hassan. She's the managing director of Five Little Ducks Baby Products Shop. And she told me a little earlier that she really is just fed up with spending so much on uniforms.
5: My issue is mainly similar to you. It's the quality. So, you're spending a lot of money for the price. It's not worth what you're paying for. So it's usually made of polyester or just not great material. And it just doesn't last. It doesn't wear very well. And the fact that there is one supplier... In the UK and other countries, they will give you quite a generic brief for a uniform, whether it's a navy skirt or a white shirt or black trousers or whatever. And you are at liberty to go and buy that in whichever retailer fits your budget or suits you. And all those retailers do amazing offers, you know, five pounds for a couple of shirts or whatever it is. And they'll all have the right colours of jumpers. So you can actually get a full uniform for under 50 pounds. Whereas here, they use really random specific fabrics with stripes and checks and this and that. And therefore, you are obliged to buy it from that specific uniform shop. And, you know, when I was at school, you would buy the the navy jumper and your mum would just iron on a patch with the logo of the school. But that's not an option here. And it just drives me mad because why? It's a very cynical kind of ploy that forces parents that you can't not wear the uniform. Yeah, in fact, my children got into trouble for not having the right
2: uniform. And I'd just like to explain one of the things that they got into trouble for. So the rugby kit has a yellow stripe running down under the arms. And the football one has a white stripe running down from under the arms. So if they put their arms down, you can't see the stripe, which is what really irritates me.
5: So it's just these really specific little things. And There's no need for it, you know. We spend so much on the fees. A lot of families don't get any help. We don't get any help with the school fees. So we're paying out for three kids. And then you've got to budget you know you're buying a laptop so we've just bought a couple of laptops for the kids you're paying for any ECAs that they're doing you're paying extra for you know after school activities or, or after school club for my nursery going son you know you're buying all of the the backpacks and stationery and everything else on the list and then you've got to budget a few thousand for uniforms and they get wrecked they get covered in paint or pen or whatever they have and they look awful <laughs> It's so
2: true. The shirts go grey so quickly in the wash. Even, you know, when you're really trying to use that special detergent that says keeps your whites white. They don't keep the school shirts here white at all. Have you come up with any sort of solutions, any sort of money
5: saving solutions that you share? I posted this on my Instagram and people went nuts for it. And it annoyed me, actually, because I tried to do the same hack this year and my guy was fully booked. So I actually went to Karama. I went to a tailor, I took the old uniform, the penned and painted uniform and I gave it to the guy in the shop who had rolls and rolls and rolls of different fabrics and booklets of fabrics and he matched up the fabric from my kid's school and took the measurements and then within a week he'd produced like full sets of uniform and then he said look all I need is the JPEG which is the logo of the school which I got off the website or I don't know where. And he embroidered the logo on perfectly, perfect size, alignment, everything. You you couldn't tell the difference. There was maybe one shade slightly different on the sleeves of the P-top. But I saved about 600 dirhams, which came to about 30% of what I would have paid. So I was really happy that I managed to do that. It was a bit of a faff and an effort. But to be honest, going to the uniform shop is is a horrible experience anyway. So you may as well just go to Karama and get it done there.
2: I bet you anything there's thousands of parents listening now wanting to do the same thing, if not this term, you know, because they've probably bought most of the uniform this term. You thought, you know, we've already shelled out, although I'm still buying extra things that they tell us that we need. How do you find your, your tailor in Karama? Are you happy to divulge his details?
5: Well yes he told me actually when I went in this year just to get a few new bits because most of their stuff was okay by the way quality was brilliant tailoring was perfect and obviously it's a tailor-made fit so brilliant but he said he had 50 families come this year based on my post and they were from all like schools of my following. (laughs) So Um, maybe
2: you shouldn't because he'll be swamped and he won't
5: be able to do yours again lots of little uniform shops in Karama that either produce directly for schools like over that side of town or who make you know maids uniforms or other uniforms for businesses so just search for uniform shops or just do what I did I just went on the street and walked in and knocked on the door and they'll be more than happy to do it I mean you need to leave it like one to two weeks for them to do it but honestly you'll save lots of money and I do not feel bad at all like I broke the system.
2: <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel bad. I'm I'm really impressed with you. You're a hacker.
5: You know, it's got to be done, hasn't it?
2: Lots of people getting in touch. Lots of parents saying that Camilla's hack is genius. Uh, keep your messages coming. We've also got somebody uh, who's got in touch. Marianne's got in saying, hello, we are Al Hatimi Trading. We have a shop in Bur Dubai, so we can do all the same with uniforms. Please pass my details on. Well, I think it's fair enough to do it. You know, that's alhatimitrading.com. Check them out. Why not? Why not save on your uniform? Am I going to get into trouble for this? We'll have to find out. Uh, but keep your comments coming coming on the cost of uniform and, and how you manage the hacks. I've been trying to do second hand uniform, but the problem is is that, you know, at, at our at primary school age, they really wear the clothes. And as a consequence, you know, they're a bit tired and grotty by the end. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to pass my school shirts on to anybody else. Um, never mind the the socks. And the peak, gets revolting. So there isn't really as much of a second-hand market in this country as there are perhaps elsewhere.
0: This is Eye on Education on the Agenda.
1: With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people.
2: Hello there. Welcome back to Eye on Education here on the Agenda. Lots of conversations about the cost of school uniform on the programme today. It's emerged that parents in the UAE are spending as much As 5,000 dirhams per year per pupil. The average is 3,000 dirhams. Think how fast children grow. I mean, ouch, that's really painful. So, Roger, who's got in touch, saying, Relax, folks, stop being so precious. I put two kids through the education system in Dubai, zero long term effects. Deal with it and focus on the real issues. I think these are the real issues, Roger. It's hitting me in my pocket. I don't think there's anything more more, um, more of a big deal for me than that. I mean, I'm trying to think what we've spent this term. We had most of the school uniform already. I cheated and bought the grey shorts and trousers from, you know, a major department store. So they cost literally 60 dirhams for two pairs of trousers. So that was fine. My younger boy is wearing the older boy's old shorts. But I've got a horrible feeling we're going to get to the rugby season and my biggest boy is not going to fit into last year's kit. I mean, he's shot up. So that's at least 250 dirhams conservatively. Then they make you buy the socks, which are another like 20 dirhams. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. The cost is just horrifying and and makes me feel really quite angry. It's that unfairness feeling. That's, That's what it is. It's the injustice. That's what gets you really raging Especially on the school run when it's hot outside. So I'm asking the question do they really need to be that expensive? I'm putting the cat among those pigeons. And I'm joined in the studio by someone who's also seeking to do that. Uniform designer Matthew Benjamin from Capes says he's determined to disrupt the sector. He's done me the absolute pleasure of joining me in the studio here on Ion Education. Matthew, good to have you here. Okay, tell me, I'm going right in with a question. Why are these uniforms so expensive?
8: Um, Uniforms are so expensive for a number of reasons. So um, one is that uniform suppliers generally have long-term contracts. So there's no incentive to really compete on price. Um, Another is that schools generally, not all schools, but schools generally will take a cut of the sale. So therefore that incentivizes you know, uniform providers to increase their prices even further so that they, you know, continue to, um, you know, make a healthy profit. Um, and then it's just, I think generally, you know, the same issues uh, 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 that, that plague fast fashion is that you have ch- sort of cheaply made products um, being sold, you know, sometimes at exorbitant prices. And it's just the nature of the market
2: I want to unpick the first thing you said there, which is that sometimes these uniform manufacturers have long term contracts with yep. the schools. Who's making the money there? Is it the uniform makers sticking on a massive you know because we all know how much it costs to make a white shirt yeah and and it's you know more around the 10 dirhams mark so those you know they can be sold for 45 dirhams maybe uh, or 50 dirhams and then you're making a decent profit and then but what about 180 or 160 how does it get to that number
8: yeah so who's making the profit um the uniform supplier is obviously making the most profit okay um the school depending on the school is also making profit as well what the school the school because the school would have a a revenue share in some cases so the school will also make some money from it that then increases the price more because the uniform supply will still want to make profit but i would say generally speaking it's a a poor quality cheaper product being sold at a really really high markup
2: and that's partly because it's got a logo on it. And, and oddly enough, Camilla was just saying a little earlier, um, um, our sort of angry mum representing the voice of all mums in Dubai mm-hmm. and the UAE, saying, you know, why don't the schools just sell the logos? Because they could be ironed on basic white shirts and, and jumpers and things like that.
8: It could, but then there wouldn't be uniform suppliers, and and schools wouldn't make a profit from it. Because at the end of the day, in this market, schools exist to make a profit in most cases. Um, and even if you're a you know not for profit school, you're still going to want to generate revenue to put it back into education and paying teachers and that kind of stuff. So I don't feel. I mean, I'm a uniform supplier. You know, I want there to be a market for uniforms. I don't feel necessarily that. Um the price, yes, it's a major issue for parents, but the price is not going to change if anything it's going go, it it's going to keep um, getting higher and that's uh, just
2: going to infuriate parents i mean with what warren texting in saying now what's wrong with black pants and a skirt and a white shirt it works out for everyone life is complicated enough let's keep the uniform simple and practical ian's gone further he says it's an absolute cartel uh, which you can you can see the strength of feeling though like it's it's really impressive i mean tell me about the, the this question of quality yeah. my um uh, my, one of my colleagues were saying that they went to one of the shops to get trousers for her daughter because she's now in secondary she's allowed to wear trousers and she came back from her first day at school with black hands okay. and it was because the dye was coming off the trousers right. onto her hands. i mean yeah. what's going on there
8: so in terms of quality um and this i would say is generally you know across dubai in terms of the quality that you get in regards to uniforms is that it's, it is generally a poor quality and they're typically made from virgin synthetic fibers, you know, polyester, nylon, um, which are durable, um, but they are you know, bad for the environment. They're not necessarily good for kids that are wearing them. They're itchy. They're itchy. Um, and then, as I say, they're just made cheaply. So, you know, the dye coming off as you're wearing it, it's, you know, it's a cheap dye. It's just been made as cheaply as possible you know, with profit in mind, because then it's sold at a you know, much, much, much higher price.
2: Now, I've advertised you as, as, as keen to disrupt the system. You've come into the, sort of this very established marketplace. How are you hoping to do it better?
8: So for us, it's really about focusing on the sustainability of the product. You know, I feel that everyone can win. You know, we don't, you know, and that, and that includes the people that are making the garments, you know, so making sure that it's made ethically. You know, the the supply chains in school uniforms um, are completely opaque. You know, there's, the, for me, the main issue is, okay, where are these things being made? Who's making them? How are they being paid? Are they being paid fairly? Because a fair price isn't necessarily a low price. Mm. You know, the the real, you know, issue for me is, are we using ethical manufacturers? Are the people making the clothing being paid fairly? And then are we using materials that are sustainable? that lower the impact on the environment? You know, are we sharing that impact with children and and with parents? Because ultimately, you know, when I think about sustainability, it's how can we um, connect kids to their clothing so that when they grow older, they support other sustainable brands and, you know, it helps, you know, move us, you know, towards a better place in terms of the climate crisis.
2: So there was a time when that argument might have sounded unusual and sort of quite airy fairy, quite left, I suppose, in many ways, if you're sort of getting into the political right and left. But the fact is that now more and more, this whole focus on fast fashion is coming under the spotlight. You know, things like, you know, you get, you hear statistics like it takes six swimming pools of water to make a pair of jeans. Even as I say that, I can't believe it's true, but I have definitely read that several times. Yeah. And, and it, is, you know, it is going to be important if we're going to be paying attention to our eco-credentials, which you know all the surveys say that most of us want to, yeah. that we need to look at something that is part of our everyday life, which is fashion, which is school uniforms.
8: Yeah. I mean, the question would be, and it would be interesting to get you know, um, listeners to, to text in, is that would you be prepared to pay the same price if the garment was made sustainably, and you could it could prove that the people making it were paid fairly you know would that would that uh people in terms of the price that they're paying?
2: it would if they were also comfortable and long lasting because I think for me the driver for me is the comfort of my mm-hmm. child primarily, and so if you told me that something that was being made was going to be more comfortable for the children it's definitely not going to make them sweaty and sticky and you know and yeah. and it's not bad for them mm-hmm. and it's not bad for the environment which basically means it's not bad for my children either because they're going to be growing up in that environment i think that would persuade me Mm -hmm. but you're right it's interesting to know what what people think four double zero one or you can whatsapp me on zero four eight seven one double five double zero we can do a focus group for matthew find out focus groups on the agenda maybe that's a sort of whole new a whole new market for us um we could get sponsored um so yeah i mean very interesting matthew and the other the other element that to your business that's really interesting is am i right in thinking that for every school uniform that that somebody buys from you you give one away
8: so for every child, every so child. Um, for every child that we sell a uniform to, we then provide a free one to a child in need. So um, we do that in Kenya. So we work at the moment with a school called Karigi Primary School in Nairobi, um, and then through um, Arbor School, at one of the schools that we work with. Um, we then were able to manufacture and give away um, almost a thousand uniforms to kids there. Um, and then this year we'll be doing it with Fairgreen School. And then next year with with the new school, we've just started working with Nadine School in Bahrain. Um, so not just that, but then we also have a school trip. So Arbor were the first school to go on it in May. Fairgreen are going in, in February. Some other schools, are ACS no, ASD, are going in, in November. And then that trip takes the kids to the Carbon Offset project that we work with. They get to see all the social enterprises that are there. They get to visit the school um, that benefits from the uniforms. And it's, again, it's just all about connecting kids to you know, the environment and how things are made and the people that make them and the impact that it has. So for me, that's the bigger picture. You know, Price, I understand that you know, it's, a, um, it's an emotive issue. And I do think that uniforms at the moment are way overpriced because the quality is not there. The sustainability is not there. The ethics are not there. But those three things are the most important thing for me.
2: Benjamin, thank you very much indeed. Great to have you in. Uh, Great to speak to you and see you in, in person. Matthew Benjamin there is the founder and CEO of Capes. They are a school uniform manufacturer who are seeking to disrupt the whole
0: system. This is Eye on Education on the agenda.
1: With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai, passionate about creating personalized learning experiences to nurture independent and future ready young people.
2: Yes, good to have you with us this Friday afternoon here on the agenda. In the meantime, I'm delighted to say that I have rather a special guest in the studio because as we heard earlier on the programme in our sports update with Chris McCarty, today is the day that rugby fans have been waiting for. Uh, It is, of course, the World Cup. It's kicking off this evening in Paris. Uh, One of our presenters from the radio station, Tom Urquhart, is there. He's hugely excited about it. But here on home turf, attention is turning to some of the sport's biggest names because there's a whole bunch of rugby stars here. Uh, They're all part of the 100 World Legends organisation. And they're here to carry out a host of visits to schools, to charities, uh, to community projects. And it's all part of an outreach initiative, as you can imagine, time to coincide with the launch of the World Cup itself. So today, they're going to the Al Noor Centre. Then they've got a Heroes of Hope event. uh, And that's actually where my next guest is going as to as soon as I let him escape from the studio, because I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Frank Bunce. He is, as you know, a former New Zealand and Samoan international. Uh, He's a Rugby World Cup final veteran, and one of the six original members who built that 100 World Legends organisation. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the agenda. Good to have you here.
6: A pleasure. Nice to be here.
2: My, uh, my husband and my children are very jealous. Massive rugby fans. Tell me a little <laughs> bit more about why you're here in Dubai this week. Good works, by the sound of it. Yeah,
6: it is. It is. Um, it's an opportunity, as you mentioned, the 100 World Legends uh, and a group of guys. It's, it's a, an opportunity to give back. To um, to community, really, you know, it's it's about helping people. Rugby's opened a lot of doors, you know, it's given us um, a lot. So now it's time to turn the tables. And uh, I, I, I saw someone saying, you know, a lot of people say I'm giving back to rugby. But, you know, why? I said, so really, I'm not giving back to rugby. I'm giving back to the community, you know. So um, this gives us opportunity. And, and uh, 100 World Legends, you know, we... You mentioned the Al Noor Centre, which we've just come from, and it's a wonderful, wonderful place. You get—it's a privilege to see, you know, what so many people do for for others. You know, for for um, others that don't have it quite as, uh, you know, not quite as lucky as 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 we are. So, um, you know, we're 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 spending time connecting with uh, with different charities, with different groups. Heroes of Hope, as you mentioned, we've done a lot of stuff with them and their, and their kids, and um, it, it's. It's it's just about connection, really, and yeah. you know we're trying to connect um, people who can who can help to these charities and show them what they do. Uh, you know, raise awareness. It's 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 always a case, and you know we've got some events. Oh, quickly, we've got some events tonight. You know, the New Zealand team plays France in the opening, and we've got it's a big one. It's a big big one. So, um, you know, we're uh, we've got a function at um, at the Mister Toads, you know, at the hotel that we're staying at, and. Um,
2: is it Media yeah. City? I think that's Media City. I'll look it up. might be wrong. But you've got a big event there tonight. You're inviting yep. lots of people down for that.
6: Yes, yes, yes. I think... Um... The
2: crew. The crew are ready. Look, they're outside there prepping themselves, yeah, yeah. ready Premier for Inn.
6: it. In. It's the, it. the
2: Premier Al-Jaddaf, Inn. It? Yeah. It's the Premier Inn. Yes, exactly. Yes, Sorry, that's it my is. mistake. Mr Toad's Premier Inn. And, and can you just go down there? Are you inviting people down there? Or do you have to get a ticket?
6: Uh, I think you can go down. I think anyone can go down, but there are people have been invited. But it's, I, I guess, it is open to all. And yeah, you know. a
2: big event. I mean, what what's brilliant is that if you're watching a massive rugby match on the telly, to have someone in your vicinity or with you, you, you know, giving you, you know, in your company, who's actually participated in that. Mm. You know, you can tell us what it's like when you run out on that pitch, that massive stadium, that massive audience. You know, what? how does it feel? What, what, I mean, you must be so nervous.
6: <laughs> you are. You are. I was telling Robbie because um, Robbie, I can't remember his last Greenfield, name. Greenfield. Robbie Greenfield. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's going to be doing a, a Q&A. He's going to be the MC of the evening. So hopefully that'll draw, you know, and there's there's not only myself, there's a few of the other.
2: I don't think you know, Robbie's going to draw the fans. I think it's you guys. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. I yeah. mean Robbie's massive, but but you guys, you know, you're the, the rugby stars yeah. that well, are going to be down he's there. He's
6: going to do his thing on stage and uh, and and draw the, uh, you know, draw the stuff out of us. But he was yeah. asking um, yesterday. I spoke to him, and we were just planning the event. But he asked the same question, and it's yeah. I got, I got talking to him about. Um, which I haven't spoken about, you know, for ages, about my experience in South Africa because we played in a World Cup final in nineteen ninety five in South Africa. Unfortunately, we lost, but um, the ability, you know, to, to relive that almost yeah. telling Robbie about it, and you know, it was just something that's it was it was probably one of the best experiences of a you know a long long rugby career, and you know, and I got to travel the world. I was you know hugely lucky. But, um, you know, when, you, when you're able to look back and, 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 and think back on, on things you've done, some wonderful things.
2: I mean, I remember watching. So I was a rugby fan when I was at school for the most part. I have to, I have to admit it was a big thing when I was at school. Mm. And I remember that during that era, which was 25 years ago now at least, and maybe 30. <laughs> Twenty five. Um twenty five <laughs> years ago. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> twenty five years ago. And I remember the all blacks were the best in the world. Everyone knew they were the all the, the best in the world. It's all anyone really talked about. Yep. And that lasted all the way through. There must have been a massive World Cup in ninety seven or something like that, because I remember watching it then as well. I've probably got the dates wrong, but um I mean, how does it feel to be considered the best in the world in that context? How do you? Does it feel quite pressurized, or are you just loving the journey? Where that's stage know, of your life?
6: A bit of both. A bit of both, actually. Um, you know, there, there's always pressure because, as you say, you know, we've got we've got a long history of rugby in New Zealand, and you know, we've been good at it. So um, there is that that history, and there's a pressure. You know, everybody looks, as you say, everybody looks upon the All Blacks as as the best, and. And you've kind of got to live up to that, yeah. Um, but I guess maybe you don't get a chance to, to look back and, and uh, appreciate what you've done and what you've you've been through until you've finished, because you, you know you don't have to have a focus on on you know next week, what's happening next week, you know the next game, uh, the next tournament, and you can. But you can look back and you can think, um, you know, about how great your your journey was, and you know you think back on people you've met places you've been, stadiums that you've played. You know, all the experiences. 1995, I was telling um, Robbie, when, um, you know, we ran out to Ellis Park, which is a really intimidating place, and you're playing the Springboks in the final, and you run out there and at the, the crowd goes crazy and, you know... You just you have to take a moment to just go, you know, take it all in. Yeah. And then it went up a couple of levels because Nelson Mandela's walking down. Oh my the, goodness! You know, and then I mean, what a it's, moment! Yeah, it just goes crazy. So,
2: I mean, that was a historical moment. Yeah. That yeah. was that was yeah. huge. Yeah. Now I know that there's loads of um, children who'll be listening to this interview right now, including my boys. Massive rugby fans they love playing it my youngest Mm. comes back from rugby training in this heat after an hour and a half and says I wish it lasted for two hours mummy I just love it so much partly because it channels his inner rage as far as I can tell it's a sort of great context for very physical children Uh, what would be your advice to them if they want you know they're they're looking to their future they want to be a huge rugby star like you are what would you say are the sort of key tips that you can give to, to see them on their journey
6: um that's a difficult, there's, there's a lot of them. It's you know, a difficult journey, yeah. yeah. It is a difficult <laughs> journey, but it, um, I think it's there's a you, you know, you've got to set yourself goals and then it's discipline towards you know making your goal. It, discipline, I think, is is everything. You've got to mm. have discipline to, to train, you've got to have discipline in terms of diet, you've got to have discipline, you know, just looking after yourselves. But I think, um, I'll skip to the end. It's all worth it, you know. It's you got to decide where you want to be. Do I want to be, you know, a professional football player? Do I want to be? The, and if if I, if you decide that you do, you know, you set yourself little goals, little goals, little goals, and at the end of it,
2: you will get that. Yeah. and you get to then come and talk to me on the radio like exactly. 20 years later yes, yes. Uh, an absolute pleasure to have you join us in the studio as uh, I mean I'd like to say as always but this is my first time speaking to a professional rugby player uh, so Frank Bunce oh, thank pleasure. you very much indeed of course former New Zealand and Samoan International a rugby World Cup veteran if you want to uh, to, to have the opportunity of, of meeting Frank and several of the other uh, 100 world legends from the, uh, the rugby organisation then Do head down to Mr. Toad's. It's at the Premier Inn, uh, and it's in Al That's where you should be heading for your for your first match this evening. It's going to be a, I mean, it's going to be a banger. Can you say that about rugby? It's going to be a banger. France, (laughs) yeah, France versus (laughs) New Zealand. It's going to be pretty special. And Frank, it's been a great pleasure having you. in. thank Thank you very very much. much indeed. This is Eye on Education on the agenda
1: with the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai.
2: Welcome back to the agenda on Dubai I 103.8. Georgia here, hosting Ion Education right now. A little bit of a review. We've only got time to do a very short review on our big hot topic today, which was the ridiculous cost of school uniforms, or at least that is the message that we've been getting through from the mums and dads who've been listening to the show today. Uh, one person here says the reason for the blazer and tie and overall overdressing the students is all about profit. Uh, one person here with a slightly sort of different viewpoint saying the schools are trying to do better. Uh, In fact, uh, some schools are managing. My daughter went to ASD. They licensed the logo to JCPenney, which is a US department store. Everything was way better quality at a fraction of the price from suppliers in Dubai. So you can hear there that they are trying to make changes in some schools here in the UAE. It's going to be a hardy perennial topic for us going forward. Um, I think it's going to come up a fair amount. We will be keeping track this story on Ion Education in the coming months. And that's all from the Ion Education podcast for this week. Make sure you tune in every Friday from 11am to catch up on the latest education headlines.